0: freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction we didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream the only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it protect it defend it and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they and their lifetime must do the same and if you and i don't do this then you and i may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children, what it once was like in America when men were free.
1: Welcome back to our number two of episode 73 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And the theme of our show today is... I am from the government, and I am here to help, which we have mostly been using as a tongue-in-cheek cheek jab at bureaucracy. But our next guest is Craig Sawman Sawyer, and for many years, he was with the government and really brought help to areas of the world that greatly needed men like him as a Marine veteran, a former Navy SEAL, a sniper... SCARS, which is a special combat aggressive reaction team. He's a combat instructor, as well as running specialized teams responsible for high-threat mobile security. This guy has pretty much done it all. He has a varied career built around service and protection of others. Sawyer was one of the original 33 federal air marshals who were in place prior to 9-11 attacks against the U.S., and currently... Craig has brought his wealth of knowledge and experience as the owner of Tactical Insider, which brings technical advice on weapons and combat to Hollywood films and actors. Thank you so much for your service and welcome to the show, Craig.
2: Hey, well, thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, this is Pleasure. awesome. And I just found out you live a stone's throw from us. You're over there in Tucson. We're here in, in uh, the Phoenix area. And uh, a, a mutual friend uh, hooked us up, and I'm so excited to to meet you and to bring you to our show. So you went from military service, and thank you for your service, uh, to media and TV. Just quickly, how did that happen? I mean, that is a pretty big leap, I would say.
2: Well, it's a big leap, but it was more of a journey, and, and the journey continues. I didn't set out to be on camera I, when I... I left the military. I went into uh, federal law enforcement, and that was another, uh, as an air marshal, that was kind of a low-profile job as far as the public is concerned. And then high-threat dignitary protection overseas, again, keeping a low profile. So my life's history has been to kind of hide from cameras and and work behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, you know, I might be able to make some contribution as a technical advisor. I had a friend of mine that uh, worked as a stunt rigger. And climber in the industry, and he, he told me uh, he thought I'd be an outstanding technical advisor, just teaching actors how to hold and use their, their firearms and so forth and look more professional, look more of the, the, the part, and uh, be more believable. And I thought, man, that sounded like fun. So I kind of reached out to a couple friends in the industry, let them know I was willing to do some of that on the right projects, and uh, I kept getting kind of pushed out in front of the camera, and it kind of just evolved from there. So um, I, I guess I'm a, a reluctant person. Uh, tv you know host or technical advisor on camera but it's it seems to be growing so Mm, (laughs) we'll see where it leads
3: well craig hi this is dan and i want to welcome you to the show and again thank you for your service what did um, the uh, air marshals do before 9-11 what kind of job was that
2: well they were they were flying high threat international flights uh, that were deemed to be most likely targeted by terrorists uh, to turn those uh, those aircraft into uh, the scenes of, of any sort of terrorist activity. And there were a lot of different scenarios that we were learning that the terrorists were planning and attempting. So we were on there to safeguard those American flagged carriers from terrorists. Well,
1: that is so interesting. You know, it's a piece of law enforcement that we never think about. I mean, I, maybe if you fly all the time, you do. But we're so thankful that, uh, that there are air marshals. And, you know, we've been talking about how you have had such a career of service-driven uh, jobs and serving others. And this new phase of your life, I, I think, is just an extension of that, a natural extension. And a few years ago, you were part of a three-part TV series on Animal Planet called Battleground Rhino Wars. And if you didn't have a passion for animals before that experience, you definitely did after. And it kind of steeled in you this desire to stop the illegal poaching of animals in Africa, and you know, I, I think we discussed off air that legal hunting is one thing; it acts as conservation. But this poaching thing is destructive and it's just downright evil. So tell us about what goes on over there with uh, you know the, these poachers and what you want to do to help protect these animals.
2: Well, a lot of what's happening is is really just monetization of a of a natural resource. The 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 drive for animal products in Asia is really at an extreme high. So uh, there's a a myth that that says that rhino horn, for example, is an aphrodisiac and that it uh, cures everything from cancer to the common cold. And with uh, a mythology that's still prevalent like that throughout Asia, that the demand for the product remains high. So people want this ground up rhino horn, you know, for what they believe to, to be an answer, a cure for all their problems. Mm-hmm. In reality, it's just keratin. It's the same material as our hair and fingernails. Mm. So, you know, if rhino horn cured cancer, well, so would biting your fingernails. <laughs> uh, same exact compound. So there's there's a myth and there's a, a, a misperception to overcome. And I, I appreciate the, the stars uh, throughout Asia who are helping attack that issue and that crisis on that front by re-educating the people and letting them know, hey, look, this this doesn't cure the, uh, these, these uh, illnesses. In fact, in reality, it's just keratin. I mean, here are the scientific studies. So that's the, 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 the prevalent aspect of what's going on. You've got people killing the last of some of the endangered species for their parts to sell on the black market in Asia. Mm. And it's a lucrative business. You know, uh, one rhino horn can bring up to half a million dollars Whoa. on the black oh. market in China and Vietnam. And that's one aspect of the problem. But another aspect is Boko Haram and other terrorist organizations are, are using uh, that source of revenue to fund terror. Mm. So it's it's a complex issue. Uh, the The animals lose on every front. They're being wiped out. It's almost like a race to the bottom. The, the fewer rhinos that remain the more valuable their horn becomes because there's there's a decrease in availability of the product and so it's kind of a race to the bottom the the fewer that remain the quicker they're out to try to kill them and finish them off it's a horrible uh... revelation of of one of the aspects of mankind my gosh i i'd like to think that we're we're smarter and better than that
1: well seriously And, and you know just some of the tactics they use to kill these animals they're, it's not sporting. It's totally non discriminant You were telling me that they'll just poison a waterhole. And any animal, you know, what, what they're after is maybe the elephant herd that goes there. But that's not the only animal that, that visits that waterhole and drinks of that water. And so all these animals and birds are just dying these horrible deaths of being poisoned that nobody has any interest in. Uh, they just want the horns or the uh, tusks off of the elephants.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's pretty mercenary. It's cutthroat and brutal. It's, it's disheartening to see the methods that uh, some of these poachers will go to 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 get the product. I mean, yes, they've they've poisoned water holes to kill entire herds of elephants, and and uh, you're right, thereby killing anything else that drinks from from those watering holes. And uh, now you, it, it's you know they'll kill. Um, rhinos you know they'll they'll shoot them and then as the rhino gets weak they'll go chop their their spine with an axe and then go chop half of their face off just to get the the horn and leave the animal to stagger around and bleed and and die a painful death over a matter of days or weeks I mean just it's just bad you know I could go on and on and on but the but the the bottom line is it's it's a wrongful situation that needs to be corrected and and I I, I'm a hard guy. I don't mind going chasing down bad guys. I'm not afraid of them. And uh, I've always been wired to go after the aggressor and stop them from ruining the peaceful life of, of the innocent.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> For whatever
2: reason, that's just kind of in my DNA. Uh, but I am an animal lover, man. I, I, I dig them. You know, one of my, my partners that helped me, he's like, man, you know, I wouldn't call myself an animal lover. And I thought to myself, you know, Craig, are you an animal lover? And I realized, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I actually am. I'm a, my name I'm is a, Craig, a, and I you know, love
1: animals, right? <laughs>
2: I mean, if that makes me less of a tough guy, then you know.
1: Not even in the <laughs> least, and and so you developed a an organization, right? The International Coalition Against Poaching, Icap. Tell us a little okay. bit about that before we have to run out of time here.
2: Okay. Well, uh, I, I was asked to go over and uh, and do the uh, the battleground rhino wars. Series. We, we did it. We thought it was going to get picked up into a big uh, TV series and even made a movie about it. And uh, it just hasn't been picked up in Hollywood the way that, that we thought it would to spread the word. And so I had a friend say, Hey, look, uh, Craig, I've got a nonprofit organization that could help you with with that it's it's similarly uh, con- configured and how about you would you like to do that and i said man I, I see the potential there being great so we did we we stood it up and i got fellow operators from different tier one units you know the brit sas delta uh, dev grew uh, army rangers and others here um, in the states and around the world and some of the top uh, intelligence officials out of the, the cia and, and other uh, agencies out of our intelligence community and we've got drones and uh, rotary wing aircraft across Africa and light attack vehicles that run on silent battery power and all of these things and relationships with government officials across Africa that, that open the doors for us to go in there and not save the day from the Africans themselves but go and assist them and help them uh, safeguard and, and and restore and and uh, and protect the last of their endangered animals uh, from these greedy international poachers, and just be part of the solution to humbly assist mm-hmm. them. And boy, we've got a huge capability of doing it. Uh, but it's it is a nonprofit organization, so we're dependent upon grants or donations from from foundations or or philanthropists that want to see something legitimately done on that front. And man, um, we've got uh, such a a huge capability standing by that we're really anxious to to get going. We're having just about daily talks now with uh, government officials across Africa with formal invitations being written and so forth for us to get over there and and start uh, assisting.
1: That is so awesome. And I really, I I have a feeling, I'm just, you know, we're seeing the stock market go up where we're feeling, even as a tiny little small business, we're feeling and seeing people relaxing a little bit with their, their wallets and their dollars. And I think it's going to allow people to look beyond, you know, just the grocery list or just keeping the lights on and, and be able to, to tap into and to donate to organizations like ICAP. So that's what I'm hoping for for you. And we're going to check back in with you in, in a while here and bring you back on and see how's going. You know, are people understanding the need over there and that, you know, you are a direct line of help to these animals and to the ecosystem over in Africa?
2: Well, thank you. And I, and I hope to have some great things to share. And meanwhile, uh, I'm helping the public even in Phoenix there with a, a training course to keep them from being uh, victims, victims of violent crime. That's Kidnapped, right. Murdering. Out at Cowtown
1: oh. Range, right?
2: Nope. Uh, Scottsdale Gun Club. Oh, Scottsdale Gun and Club. C two Tactical in Tempe. Oh, fantastic. Uh, the one that's it's a classroom course, uh, but it's very interactive. It's called Hard Target Training, and it's for anybody. But it's me kind of sharing Jason Bourne counter terrorist type of uh, uh, skill sets to allow the 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 average citizen to recognize threats and pick up on what's going on, increase their situational awareness and threat recognition so that they don't have to get into a shootout or a fistfight. They can avoid confrontations and break contact and get away uh, at the earliest possible opportunity. So it's really a great course. I'm proud of that. So Fantastic. we'll be loading up the calendar here soon with those.
1: And, and how do people reach out to you and find out more about that?
2: I've got a website called tacticalinsider.com. And on there, I've got a training page with all my training opportunities listed.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on again. We're we are going to reach out to you and bring you back on in the future if you'd come. Craig Sawman Sawyer.
2: Hey, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye now. All right. Stick around because coming up right after these messages, we have two guests who are friends of ours, actually, Greg Hopkins and Rob Morse. They co-wrote an article recently called Human Rights Versus California Politicians. Which right of self-defense do we have? Stick around, it's gonna be a great talk.
5: When you're working hard to beat debt, you've gotta think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt,
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we are glad you are here with us today. If you have missed any portion of this show or if you just want to binge listen, we highly encourage that. Right? Isn't that what we do these days? We get a hold of a new TV series or or somebody's podcast and we just binge it, right? Just sit down and and do nothing but uh, gobble that up from start to finish. Uh, Go to our webpage, gunfreedomradio.com. Click on the On Demand page and you will see every show and be able to listen to every show that we uh, have ever posted.
3: I want to remind our listeners that uh, this is a pre-recorded show. This is January 11th. We had to pre-record the show because we're at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So if anything's happened that we didn't cover... Yeah, this um, is a
1: 10-day span. That is a long time uh, to have a show pre-recorded because, you know, during this time, from when we're sitting in the studio to when it actually airs, we're going to actually have an inauguration for a new president. I mean, there's a lot going on. So um, anyway... Uh, I always encourage people to um, also go to our website if you want to put a face with a voice. Right, every guest we've ever had on, except mine, <laughs> no, you're on there too. <laughs> I hear Rob laughing. Let's go ahead and, and introduce our guests. We have um, Rob Morse. Now, welcome to the show, Rob.
6: Welcome, Cheryl. Welcome, Dan.
1: You are the author of a blog that I think you pump out about three a day, but you swear to me you, you don't quite go at that pace. But it's called, I do have a life. <laughs> I think it's called I'm a blogger. I think that's your life. Uh, you're the author of Slow Facts blog, and you also co-host the Polite Society podcast. And uh, our other guest, we're still working out the phone situation, uh, Greg Hopkins. Greg, are you with us? Yes,
7: I'm here now, Cheryl. Sorry.
1: That's okay. uh, Stuff (laughs) happens with these phones. I'm telling you, gremlins are a real thing. And so Greg is the author of a book called A Time to Kill, The Myth of Christian pacifism. And so you both have just become friends of ours over the years. And so, you know, it's it's an interesting thing to interview your friends because it's like I got to remember to tell everybody why I, you're so awesome. And uh, you know, your the things that you do aside from your your day jobs, right? are are really they're valuable to the the second amendment they're valuable to the gun industry they're valuable to citizenry because you know you you pass along thoughts and ideas that aren't just you know on the top of everybody's heads so together you sat down and you co-authored this article and this article is called human rights versus california politicians which right of self-defense do we have? And I thought, holy cow, what an interesting topic! And two guys coming at this from—I mean, Rob, you're a you're a rocket scientist or something, right?
6: Right, a laser surgeon, as a friend of mine calls it. Okay. Yes, <laughs> holy- I'm a techie,
1: right? And then Greg yeah. Hopkins, you are a lawyer, you're a pastor, right?
7: Yeah, I'm I'm a uh, recovering lawyer. I've never- <laughs> actual uh, preacher but I have taught the Bible to people for 40 years and I've preached in many pulpits, subbing for uh, preachers and so on like that so I've I've studied it for a long time.
1: And so to bring these two minds and these two life experiences together in one article I thought holy cow that's brilliant to begin with and then there was so many things that jumped out at me but this first thing that I'm going to bring up it was sort of like one of those lightning bolt moments. And um, in your article, you said the U S Supreme court recently ruled that citizens can be forced to buy healthcare insurance. We all know that, right? Obamacare. Mm -hmm. And therefore citizens could also be forced to buy fill in the blank. Right. And the blank, the, the, the thing you filled the blank in with is firearms Mm -hmm. and they could actually be fined if they didn't buy these life-saving, life-protecting tools.
3: Well, great deals at AZ Firearms. Come on by.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for the commercial, Dan. Yeah, Dan's here with us, too. I I, every once in a while let him get a word in. Hi. (laughs) Um, So, you know, getting back to the health insurance, well, you know, it's just a tax, said Chief Justice Roberts back in the day. But then when you think about it in terms of something else like firearms, what I'm thinking is it's all fun and games while you're the party in power, but maybe not so much when you put those big shoes on your quote-unquote opponent. So let's kind of talk about that a minute.
7: Exactly. Yeah. The taxes and so on are, When Justice Roberts said it's a tax. Let's go back to another tax that was imposed on gun owners in 1934 which was the National Firearms Act. At that time, because the government was broke, FDR was attempting to find any excise tax he possibly could. And so by framing it as a tax, he got it uh, past a hostile Supreme Court, which had so far blocked all of his initiatives. And uh, this, was the, this was the decision that opened up the way for Justice Roberts to then say, well... Uh, Therefore, we can, if the government decides it's good for you, like Obamacare, we can force you to buy a product. Mm -hmm. And consequently, (laughs) under the idea of tax, we have no rights uh, left. That, you know,
1: and it's such an interesting thing. And the title uh, or the theme of our show today is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. So I think uh, you guys are of an age like I am that we can remember when Ronald Reagan called those the nine scariest words in the English language. Absolutely. And so, you know, just because somebody else thinks that making all of us buy health insurance is help, that isn't necessarily always the <clears throat> case. And especially if you try to, you know, expand that to what's going to be the next thing.
3: So they use the government uses the, the tax to make us buy something but they also make us put a tax on things to make us not buy something like the soda tax.
0: Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Again,
7: well, because it's good for us. Yes. <laughs> they know better.
6: <clears throat> We're talking at the national level and the federal government, but judges have ruled that local standards apply as well. This was a case out of Skokie where they said, oh, assault rifles are bad. And then I went, OK, that's Skokie, Illinois. If you go down state, can a similar city council say assault rifles are good, you must own them?
1: Well, exactly. The judges said
6: yes. I don't know if that's what they intended, but that's what they did.
1: That is crazy. I mean, you know, we we just want people to have freedom to choose for what fits their life. You know, and we own a gun store. So, of course, you know, it'd be easy for us to go, yeah, yeah yeeha, let's have a law that says everybody has to buy <laughs> no, a gun.
3: I would rather close my doors than force people to buy a gun I would like to promote people to buy a gun but to force them we shouldn't be forced to do any kind of purchases. I agree well moving
1: on so some of the questions that you pose in your article I want to unpack some of those and we brought you guys on a little late so I'm going to actually skip the commercial (coughs) break that we were supposed to have right here and we're just going to dive right in and one of the questions that you asked is is there a human right to self-defense and you say in your article in california even local governments have the right to infringe on your right to self-defense you don't have much of a right left if the state county and city can establish their own regulations it shouldn't surprise you that california state politicians and the police are exempt from these same regulations so who wants to address that one
6: well it's it gets to the heart of the article and is this reasonable regulation or is this an infringement and that's that's the heart of the question we're going to have answered in the next i suspect few months i don't think it'll take a year and how it will be decided depends on the standard we use does a politician have to come up with something that sounds good oh you know cheryl that gun is too big and that one's too small and that one's too loud and that one's too quiet, so all of those should go away. Or do they have to prove every claim? Greg, chime in.
7: Uh, yes, and, and the, the standards for review can be set by the Congress, the judicial standards of review. You see, where, where a right uh, affects, uh, is deemed to affect a citizen lightly, then there is a low standard of review as to the right versus the law in in, uh, federal jurisprudence. And then there's an intermediate standard of review where it's going to affect either more people or to a greater degree. Where rights are considered vital—let's say abortion, for instance— the right that they discovered in in 1970 jury, then, uh, or the right to free speech, then a, a standard of what's called strict scrutiny must be given uh, before, and, and the, uh, the proposed law must really have a, some kind of overwhelming good in order for the court to allow it over the natural rights of people. And what our court, what our Congress can do under the Judicial Act of 1794 that set up the federal courts, <laughs> is is to they can say anything having to do with the right of self-defense, i.e., the Second Amendment, deserves strict scrutiny. That would go a long way to stopping both on the state and federal level our uh, uh, the uh, uh, erosion of our rights.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, when you, you brought up the pro life versus pro choice um, idea, and, you know, you bring up a very interesting comparison that I wanted to talk about. And we're not going to litigate right now the, the, the differences and, and all of that. But is the right of self defense, you pose in your article, a super right? like the right to abortion. So you say that judges ruled that the failure of government to provide subsidized abortion everywhere was a loss of a human right. If the right of self-defense is treated in the same way, then we should then possibly subsidize guns, subsidize ammunition, and shooting ranges for poor people in remote areas. That is a very interesting topic of,
6: of debate.
7: Yeah. Rob, expand on that.
6: Rob? What the what the federal government did is said some people in some situations didn't have affordable access to abortion. Well, and they said that that, that's a claim that it needs to be provided, uh, that it needs to be accessible. Well, I could say the same thing about single moms in our inner cities who struggle under an incredible burden financial economic and if they want to protect they're vastly under policed i mean the police will go where the money is and the political power they don't you know the tenements don't have a cop on every corner so she needs to protect herself why isn't her right to protect herself equally subsidized
3: didn't we do that with didn't we do that with cell phones too
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah, Obama phone. Right. Yeah exactly. Yeah, if
7: we go back to our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, uh, the, the very beginning says that that uh, the people all all men are created equal, which means that it is the creator, uh, not government, that grants this right. This goes back, of course, to Locke and uh, other uh, Enlightenment philosophers. But the government, that all people granted by God, rights created by God, are the right to life. In other words, the government doesn't have the right to take my life unless I disobey the law in such a way that everyone agrees they can. The right to liberty, the government cannot take my liberty. It is a pre-existing right, and they cannot take my property or my pursuit of happiness without due process. And we have overstepped these in all those areas uh, over the last 200 years, and especially in the last 100 years. These are rights that the Enlightenment philosophers in today call natural law, and it derives from the Bible. Uh, and God, you know, my whole book, A uh, uh, Time to Kill, The Myth of Christian Pacifism, is about protecting the right to life of yourself and others. And when Moses got off the boat, the third command God gave him, Genesis 9-6 was, If man sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Right there was the setup that uh, murder Forfeit your life; otherwise, you have the right to live your life and live live uh, live it free, and enjoy your property. But uh, government tramples over this all the time.
1: Well, and going back to the one, the question is: there a human right to self-defense, and how California limits those rights? You know, I guess if you're on the other side of the fence, you say. Oh no, we don't. We give you, you know, there's the police force, and you can have some pepper spray, and you've always got your fists at your ready, right? So we're not, we're not telling you you can't defend yourself.
7: Yeah, now, now first of all, you can have pepper spray if you first take a two-day class, a forty-eight-hour class in what? California. <laughs> yes, that's required, for- <laughs> and it has been required since the nineteen eighties. I
3: They're do not know that. Hey, Robin, Absolutely. Robin, Greg, wouldn't it just be easier to just build a wall <laughs> yeah. around
1: California? Yeah, that's, that's what, what he's talking <laughs> about. Are you kidding me that you have to have a two day class to operate a can of pepper spray? Yeah,
7: so so even uh, even at, at that level of non lethal force. The government steps in and says, we will regulate. And, of course, we all know the famous saying that when, when seconds count, the cops are just minutes away.
4: Mm-hmm. And th-
7: that was the problem in, in Fort Lauderdale uh, th- two days ago. Was the cops were <laughs> just steps away. They got there within five minutes, but five mm-hmm. people were dead and, and eight others were wounded. That mm-hmm. it's, it's this idea that we can regulate and uh, you don't have a say in it where our culture has been led. And it goes back to the progressive movement of the 1880s right on through John Dewey and modern <laughs> education and and all through that. And we don't have time to talk about that, but but people have been um, regimented into thinking that the government owns me, I do not own myself.
1: And that's an excellent point. And then tying what we were just talking about, you know, the two-day class and, and the... You know, subsidizing for the poor people. If you are a single mom, like Rob brought up, and you're working 12-hour shifts, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have two days to devote to learning how to use a can of pepper spray?
7: (laughs) Do you? But, But if you use it and you don't have that, it's a misdemeanor. And since you didn't have the class and didn't get any training on it, if you use it illegally, it's a felony. So, there, poor wow. uh, mother is stuck. Now, I'm talking from a prosecutor's standpoint that did well over a thousand domestic violence cases in my career, uh, and it, you don't have time to go get classes or anything, especially in Alabama where, where I'm from, where you can go down to Walmart and buy some for nine bucks.
4: Mm-hmm. You
7: know, well let's
6: <laughs> let's expand that a little bit more. In Chicago, the registration the training uh often that costs as much or more than the firearm you're buying wow. absolutely
7: And so you know, we,
6: it really is a barrier to entry to the poor and i think yeah. it's on purpose
3: but yet and, the yet the democrats were complaining that people shouldn't have to have an id card to vote to because vote. it costs yep. too much money for them to get an id card mm-hmm. these are the same mm-hmm. people right they i right. think so and what's the deal in california Every two-by-four that comes from California has a warning label on it that it could cause cancer. You know that? <laughs> I was at Lowe's today, and I got some two-by-fours, and it said, Warning, California has determined that this could cause cancer. You're not kidding. No, I'm not kidding. No, no. No. And all over yeah. Disneyland this week, we were there. They have signs, caution, the, the environment could cause, yeah. Yeah, it could cause cancer. And it's like, put the wall up. Wow. My goodness.
7: And,
6: and Right. And part
7: of the problem with the regulation is is in the in the uh, itemized bullets of the declaration. Uh, Jefferson, <coughs> reg- the king has sent his agents to eat out our substance. Now look at what Rob just uh, gave for an example. If you get all the permits and take all the training in Chicago, you, it costs you seven hundred dollars for your. If you're a person in the ghetto, a two hundred dollar Larcen firearm, you know, a Jammatic. And yet, uh, here you have, uh, and and they'll say, "Uh, uh, uh, "We're not denying you your right." Mm -hmm. Well, of course, a poor person is de facto denied. Uh, When the two hundred dollar firearm stamp uh, came up uh, on the NFA in nineteen thirty-four, that was a month's pay Mm -hmm. for the average working person.
3: Well, the gun was only thirty-four dollars. (laughs)
7: Right. <laughs> the Thompson
3: was $34, the license was 200.
7: Yeah. 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 And and, the, it, it, and but supposedly they were going to prevent people like Al Capone from buying these machine guns. You,
3: you think know, it right. did? Did it work? I don't think so. <laughs> well, you know the the problem is if we look at this, the the states that have the most regulations have the most problems. Exactly. They create their exactly. own problems with this regulation. So, well, and, why don't why and, don't they just quit? Take all the laws away and see what happens for a while the re, the unreasonable laws take them away and see like Chicago I mean you, you live in Chicago, think about it. Uh, look at all the problems they have there. What if they just relax that a little bit and s- try it for a while and see what happens? enforce yeah. the, enforce the laws that need to be enforced. you know cr- uh, felonies shouldn't be carrying around guns, but the mm. ones that are not felons, they should be able to buy a gun and and see what happens.
6: And and I don't think they it. can. I think yeah. they need a scapegoat. And they're oh, blaming yeah. the tool for the nightmare they've created. I don't think they can afford to take an objective look and say, oh, we messed up. No, there's, yeah. there's too many political IOUs on the table for them to do that. Well,
3: they did it with alcohol back in the, the prohibition. You know. No, they, we
6: did it to them.
3: Well, yeah, I guess. But you know, they couldn't regulate it. So if you can't re- regulate it, tax it. And make it legal okay Mm -hmm. so i think and they're they're doing it with marijuana now they're you know i i just i don't know
1: what what did you mean rob we did it to them
6: there was widespread condemnation of prohibition we have firearms prohibition in several states now the rich and famous can uh carry uh in new york uh even a, a minor celebrity can't get a permit to carry in new york city Um, it's very much a political hot button. And if you look at what they've done to their own cities economically, they've created a nightmare for people to live. Crime rises, (laughs) I I would say in some cases intentionally, so we cling to the police. Mm. And I don't think those Democrat politicians are going to let go of that power willingly. Hmm. No. (laughs) Uh,
7: take, Take the example of Britain. Uh, in 1905 was when they had their first regulation of handguns, and and uh, it, when you had to have some kind of a permit in order to carry one. Prior to that, any peaceable person under the Restoration Constitution of 1688 could own a firearm. <laughs> but in, even in Sherlock Holmes books, Sherlock Holmes borrows. Um, firearm from people on the street when he needs one. If he doesn't have his with him, uh, you know, prior to 1905. Mm-hmm. But now, look at they supposedly uh, made handguns illegal in 1997, and they have a violent crime rate four times that of New York City, wow. which is you know about uh, fifth in, in violent crime rate in the United States.
0: Uh,
1: so you, you see why
6: it's so fun to have Greg with us?
1: <laughs> it is and every time he goes to h- history it makes you laugh. so I love that. <laughs> Greg says 1600 Greg sta- uh, Rob starts laughing. I love it. Guys, I wish we could talk all day. We have so much more we could unpack and, and maybe we'll we'll schedule another uh, dive into this in in the near future. But I definitely, before I have to run away, I want both of you to tell people how they can learn more about you, uh, buy your book, Greg, uh, listen to your blog, Rob. So, Greg, you go first.
7: Okay. Uh, I um, They can pick me up on Facebook or on uh, both on my author page and my personal page. And uh, working on redoing my, my website, so the website's not too good, you can buy the book on Amazon, uh, or you can uh, get it from any bookstore can order it. We're with the largest books distributor in the United States, uh, and so it, it's on computer, you can get it there. And um, anyone has any questions or anything, they can get a hold of me via uh, Facebook or my website. Um, uh, that's what we call it, email. <laughs> and that's hopkinsbottom slash greg at comcast.net.
1: So if I want to know what happened on June 3rd of 1642, I'm coming to you. You're... And we're playing
6: stop <laughs> the Chump. That's right. That's... <laughs> I love it. That's and great Rob? book is A Time to Kill The Myth of Christian Pacifism.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Rob. And you? <laughs> yeah.
6: uh, I'm at the Slow Facts blog ammo land clash daily i'm a co-host at the polite society podcast and self-defense gun stories it's been great
1: oh yeah self-defense defense. what was that greg all around good
7: guy rob is
1: all around both of you are and of course your self-defense uh gun stories podcast that is where you kind of go and monday morning quarterback a responsibly armed citizen event like we do on our show And kind of say, what could have been done better, you know, uh, given the advantage of of 2020 hindsight? That is a great podcast. Um, So, again, thank you both. Greg Hopkins, Rob Morse, together just recently co-authored Human Rights Versus California Politicians, Which Right of Self-Defense Do We Have? Check that out at the slowfactsblog.com, com. Right. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking to you both soon. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.
7: Okay, bye-bye. God bless you all.
1: God bless you. All right. Thank well, you. stick around because we still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's commentary. Um. Coming up right after this.
5: Hi, folks. I'm Don Carter. If you're
6: looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours too. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com.
1: Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today has been, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. And, and we hope that we've given you lots to think about. Um, we have a new president uh, just inaugurated <laughs> now I'm saying that 10 days prior that we're sitting here on on the 11th of, of January saying this so assuming that everything went as planned we have a new president sitting in office and that can make a lot of us kind of go okay I can just kind of relax now I don't have to worry about anybody taking away my gun rights and blah 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 not. So that is not the case. This is the time with all of the offices that the Republicans hold. If you are a Republican or, or in favor of, of the people that are in office right now, you have an extreme level of responsibility to make sure that this is a successful uh, term, right? All the governors, all of the senators, all of the congresspeople, and our president and our vice president, they need to hear from us. They, you know, it would be really easy for them to just feel like, okay, wahoo, we've got this, and run off the rails somewhere, and us later look back and regret that we've squandered an amazing opportunity to to bring back um, wealth and prosperity, and the idea of hard work is uh, the best way to to benefit your your inner self as well as your your family your community and uh we, i think we've lost sight of that over the last few years and i think
3: we've got a great chance to to reclaim that so get in the game and keep in mind you know we have politicians that have been second amendment uh, pro second amendment for years mm-hmm. they still make mistakes oh do they ever and it's some of them are honest mistakes some of them are deliberate you, you just don't know so the people have to talk to them we absolutely. have to tell them
1: absolutely great point dan All right. Well, one of our favorite moments of the show is our responsibly armed citizen report.
0: Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and
6: the American way.
1: Responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow, we never hear these stories on network news, and we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Today's story. Danger sometimes looks like a neighbor just taking out his trash in the hallway of your apartment building. This story could have happened to you or me or your sister or your mom. As you listen to Kay Dickinson explain the details of being assaulted, I want you to also hear in your mind the voices of those common sense, anti-gun, rights restrictors who would say that guns are bad and that good people shouldn't own guns and that we should just call the police if danger comes to visit. And I want you to consider the reality that we are our own first line of defense. And that if this responsibly armed citizen hadn't been legally allowed to take this life-saving action with the tool of defense of her choice, we would be reporting a much different
4: story today. I walked up the steps, I come around the corner and I look back and there's a black gentleman walking down the hallway with a bag of trash. I was like, that's kind of weird at 11.45 at night, but I just kept on walking. Well, he came up behind me and went, turned like he was going to knock on the door across the hall. So I proceeded to unlock the door. I'm still on the phone, and I proceeded to unlock the door. As soon as I got the door unlocked, he grabbed me and pushed me into the apartment. Anyway, we had a tussle, and he choked me and gagged me, and, um... I dropped everything right there in the kitchen. And he was like, you know, he knew my name. He knew my boyfriend's name. And he was like, give me the money. I know he's got money here. Give me the money. And I'm like, we don't have any money here. It's in the bank. You know, I've got some money in my pocketbook in my car. If you want me to go get it? he took my car keys from me. And then he's like, I'm going to search this apartment. So we went. He led me down the hall, where we ended up on the ground in the hall because I'm still fighting. Um, he took me in the bedroom and put, um, I had a broken belt on the floor and he grabbed it, tied my hands behind my back, and got a cell phone charger cord and wrapped it around my mouth and tied it. And then he proceeded to look under the bed and I got loose from the belt And I had a gun sitting on a Bible on my headboard. I jumped up on the bed, grabbed the gun, turned around,
3: and just pulled the trigger. Wow. So she was taking out the trash. Then she took care of the trash. (laughs) Cool thing. Gun on a Bible. Yeah. Amen.
1: Yeah, that struck me, too. And that that recording goes on for quite a while, and I had to find a place to, to cut it off. But, you know, she says she just knew that that gun was sitting there for for a reason and uh, the, it, she really credited, credits it with being the tool that made the difference between the size and weight. When you see this woman, if, I'll post the video, she is a tiny, itty bitty little lady and you know we don't know the size of the, the attacker but um, uh, you can just well imagine that there's no way she was going to be able to
3: physically fend him off. Okay, she couldn't get away. Mm-hmm. She tried. She couldn't get away. Mm-hmm. If she would have called the police, how long would it have taken for the police to get there? Right. There is. N- what else could she do? Yeah, that's what we're saying. So she took out the trash.
1: Took out the trash. That almost sounds like a good lead up for your commentary. Mm-hmm.
2: Tell yourself something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you. To your
6: knees and keep you there
3: permanently if you let it. Cheryl, you know Tombstone, Arizona, right? Heck yeah, the tough too tough the town too tough to die. I mean, that's from the eighteen hundreds and the cowboys and everything. You know shoot out at the okay corral. Right. And this is great. The mayor of the city wants to add a title for the people across the country to see Tombstone, Arizona, Americans America's Second Amendment city. That's I cool. think that's great. That's not a rant. You know, no, it's not. You know what my rant is? What? This is a commentary. It's not. Oh, that's to be right. a rant. <laughs>
1: my but fault. Yes. You know what my what wink, is your wink? Call? Wink, wink. <laughs>
3: wink commentary yeah, is yeah. that. Why in America do we have to proclaim a city a Second Amendment city? Mm. I I give them credit. I think it's great. Yeah. Isn't every country, even every city, every state, should be a Second Amendment? state or city or whatever Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so that's why i think me and james brown's got to talk to some people and say let's make every city every state every house in a second amendment city thank you james
1: so i have to make my house a second amendment city is that what you said Second
3: Amendment. <laughs> Second Amendment House, Cheryl. Second Amendment st- House. I'm don't just go, giving you, know, you we, the rest. Let's don't have the details. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that sharp. It's Saturday, okay?
4: <laughs> all right, all right. Even your we car. we got to wrap up your, anyway. Your I'm, car
3: would be a Second Amendment <laughs> car, not a Second Amendment city, Cheryl. Okay. Okay? Got the it. The core is Second Amendment everywhere we go.
1: Understood.
3: And if they don't want it to be Second Amendment everywhere we go, then build a wall. Build the wall. Just build a it's wall. It's gonna be huge. And the anti-gunners are gonna pay for it. <laughs>
1: that was good. I like it. All right. Well, thank you so much for for listening and for uh, <coughs> you know sharing our stories. I can tell online how many listeners we have, the shares that go on. And it's just wonderful, and it, it is the wind beneath our wings and helps keep us encouraged that people are listening. And I want you to know that we are listening. We want to hear what you're thinking. You know, did we say something you disagree with? Did, did we say something that maybe was you know partially true? We don't want to be up here doing the fake news. Let us know, right? This is a conversation. Keep it going. Thank you to our tech crew again, to our listeners, to all of our amazing guests. We get the most interesting people to come on this show and share a piece of their lives. It's, it's a wonderful thing because time is your most valuable commodity and when you spend it with us, we do appreciate it. So until next time, pray for our nation, pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, even the ones you don't like. Well, I'll I'll pray for the majority especially the ones you don't like be good to each other have a great week and God bless
0: our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers but only here Did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it,